0: Hello, Salmo, and welcome to the latest episode of the podcast. Um, this interview is with Kathy Patton. And we talk about the Salmo Green Dream, all things sustainable, and all that good stuff. Uh, I get into a little bit of a tree planting campaign pitch, and Kathy tells me a little bit about the history of the Salmo Green Dream and uh, sustainable going ons in the area. I uh, hope you enjoy. Show. I'm sitting down with Kathy Patton you reached out to me and wanted to talk about the Salmo Green Dream and environmental things that are going on around here which I was very excited because I've kind of taken a hiatus from the podcast just been busy and not really had an outpouring of people wanting to talk so you did
1: have a quick reaction you were quick to say oh yeah let's do it so that's great
0: yeah well I've been I've been wanting to do um do more podcasts and you know like i've said from the beginning my initial thing was the history of the the place and talking to people and there's you know people have been interested in talking but i just haven't pushed it so yeah. when you reach out i was like yeah definitely let's let's do
1: the time is right yeah. there seem to be a lot of really neat uh environmental things going on around and it's the time so
0: yeah, yeah do you want to appreciate you wanna... it thank you yeah do you want to tell me about the green dream like uh, where it started and where it's at now
1: sure sure um, back in 2011, there was a bit of a uh, there was a meeting, a community meeting,
0: mm-hmm.
1: a bit of a community kind of <laughs> consultation <laughs>
0: approach. That, we have one extra person here. Yeah, that's the, Luna, Luna the dog. <laughs> so
1: she becomes a <laughs> guard dog as she hears things outside. Like
0: <laughs> oh, there you go. The podcast will just have to <laughs> enjoy that. <laughs>
1: there we go. She. Uh, um yeah back in 2011 there was a a community meeting um i didn't go to the first one Mm -hmm. there were there i think there was a series of like three of them where where it was a bit of a community priority setting Mm -hmm. um process so people uh heard about a few different uh, um, issues that were relevant at the time Mm -hmm. and i think i joined in around the third meeting uh, where they they already had pretty much their priorities set. Mm-hmm. They had like ten or twelve things on the on the wall, and we're ready to do a bit of a dot-mocracy thing that we mm-hmm. love so much and um, kind of vote on what their what three things the community should focus on mm-hmm. for the next bunch of years. And I looked at the list and I said, "Well, what about the environment?" And all of a sudden everyone went, "Well, yeah, you know, so, mm-hmm. So, we created another one, and sure enough, it got um, lots of votes. Another thing that came out of that meeting was the whole food sustainability program yeah. and there was another thing too, and I can't remember what it was but but i was i I think it's something that has taken off as much as the food sustainability program and and the green dreams so mm-hmm. so. So it was a great meeting process. I think that it, there were big changes that happened in town because of that, that right. process. So, hmm. so yeah, back back then in 2011, we had a committee of um, uh, a bunch of us. There, there were um, representatives at the time from Chambalà mm-hmm. and um, and. Selma Community Services, Selma Watershed Streamkeeper Society mm-hmm. had a couple of members. myself, just as a village resident, mm-hmm. and uh, and uh, members of council at right. the time too. So, does
0: it does, does that group still meet? Is it still like an ongoing thing, or does it did it kind of well? S- it's slow changed.
1: Down? It's melded into other things mm-hmm. or with different members. So, we've had. Um, now we i we've really enjoyed a a bit of a new interest so mm-hmm. we've got some young members joining us this year and mm-hmm. um and every year there there are different people who come to the table and offer different things mm-hmm. and then sometimes they stay and they're in it for the long haul and sometimes they move on to other things or they or they physically move right. from Salmo. Yeah, so right, right. <laughs> so yeah we've we've changed over the years but we do have um Three, of the original members from
0: 2011.
1: Yeah. Right.
0: Yeah. Interesting. I was looking at your your notes that you sent me a little bit, and it was an interesting thing that interests me is the, the talks about community community forestry. Um, there's been a few meetings over the years. What, what's come of that? Is well, there
1: the first big project that Green Dream took on was was hosting an environmental forum. Mm -hmm. And we did that in the spring of 2012. And um, at the forum, we identified three um, areas that we could look into more deeply for Mm -hmm. the community. And one of those was community forestry. Mm -hmm. The other ones were community education regarding environmentalism and constructed wetlands. Mm -hmm. But the community forestry group did take off from the 2012 meeting. Um, they had representation from the community, from Green Dream, and and from um, forestry professionals, mm-hmm. um, and and retired forestry professionals, like uh, different mm-hmm. different mm-hmm. groups. And so they were. Um, they really met they talked a lot about what exactly community forestry means mm-hmm. and how it might be possible in our area and and they met actually for a couple of years and mm. they tried really hard to kind of get the interest off the ground mm. and, and make some some headway but it's really um i i think that 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 maybe they retired a bit of of butting heads and feeling just feeling like they weren't
0: getting anywhere yet it's a challenging road the whole idea Mm -hmm. of of communal management of of our resources and that's something that I've always sort of come up against when I get into these conversations Mm -hmm. is that once you start organizing around land use and resource use and industry and industry practices now and then the idea of doing Mm -hmm. it differently and more environmentally sensitive it you know those needs often butt up against the economic needs and so I've always found it challenging of the most successful ones I've seen are have been private landowners who have just by the force of their own will choose to do it you know like selective sustainable slow logging with lots of replanting and and they usually have to subsidize that whole process with education or um, labor in exchange for education through woofing programs or apprenticeship programs and stuff like that. So I've seen it work on small scales, but as far as the whole village kind of getting together and deciding to manage a resource like forestry is... Um, yeah it's mm-hmm. well outside of my expertise and how i would I wouldn't even know where to begin because
1: I think that that's the issue right there is yeah. that we don't know how to start
0: yeah and so I've always sort of steered steered towards um just doing what I can in in my capacity as just a one person um, and you know there's natural network sort of form and everything, but um, you the know, forestry. In itself is very uh, industrialized. It needs heavy equipment and operators and needs capital and, mm-hmm. you know, it's subject to market fluctuations. So there's a lot of risk involved and it's hard for people to take on that level of risk and do the, the right thing for the land at a cost to the bottom line. Yeah, and that's exactly. it's always the conflict that I see. And so it's, yeah, that's why I was. In, that's why I went to that because it's something I would like to see happen. I've been something I would love to see happen because it's right up my alley. It's what I'm most passionate about: is yeah. trees and and wood and those sorts of things. So um, I haven't cracked the code yet. So I was happy to talk to you about it. See what what, what had come of conversations well, so far. Well,
1: it, it's been it. You know, hopefully in the near future that it'll be, you know, it'll come back out of out of uh, well out into the public again, but it, it's been kind of set aside for now because mm-hmm. I think they just felt like they were getting nowhere in that
0: yeah.
1: um, I think the group that they had was really interesting and really mm-hmm. interested in making it happen but um, but there are there's a lot of work to actually make those kind of changes in a community and create a, a place where it's you know where they can make those. Kind of changes so mm-hmm. there are places you know there are companies there are logging companies that do responsible forestry mm-hmm. practices that we just need to we need to get advice from them about how we can influence what's happening in our own watersheds The mm-hmm. the, um, the today uh, I took part with 14 other people in the um, Forest March, mm-hmm. Forest March BC this was the first one mm-hmm. I'm sure it won't be the last um, and the Forest March um, program movement kind of came out of a, a little group in Grand Forks, who hmm. is just you know they're beside themselves with what happened in their watershed. Of right. course, you know they, yeah. you know it's it's about looking after our forests, but it's about looking after the humans as well as the mm-hmm. animals and the environment that yeah. that live in those watersheds. So, you know they. have um, hopefully if enough people just become aware that there are alternatives out there that mm-hmm. we don't, we don't need to, um, you know, be two sides of, of, uh, of an issue that really just affects all of us. Like it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally see both sides of it too. Cause mm-hmm. there's a, I do too. Yeah. It's, it's a challenge because the, the economic pressures are so high and the, the kinds of changes that need to happen are so large in scale and scope that it's it's difficult to do it as a grassroots organization mm-hmm. as compared to like a top-down government policy type thing. Which would be the goal, I guess. Yeah, yeah, and so, you know, a person like me, I'm pretty passionate about it, but I would I don't ever see myself moving to Ottawa and spending the next 10 years stumping to try and get those sorts of changes so I've always just sort of done my own thing but it it is it, it's crazy because you know I, I know lots of fallers and lots of loggers yeah. and, and and I I like all of them actually I, yeah I, for sure
1: there's some of the, the best people right like <laughs> I really sure. do
0: like these guys and um, I agree they're just doing their job and their job is to go out and harvest timber and supply the market now the market yeah. demands a lot there's the pulp industry, which is, in, is a fascinating one now because of the whole legalization of cannabis and the potential for the hemp industry to take mm-hmm. off. But, I mean, the, the biggest issue with that is we don't have processing facilities for hemp. You know, there are hemp producers in Manitoba. They make oil and seed, and they basically shred and compost the, the fiber because there's, other than baling it, Um, And using it in hemp bales for building or, you know, small scale hempcrete or production, there really isn't anywhere to send their product. And so I don't know how much it would cost to build a hemp fiber processing factory, but it's definitely on the scale of either government or, you know, big industry.
1: Which comes first, right? The chicken or the egg? Yeah, well, and that's just it. <laughs> it's like, if we build it, then do the changes happen? Or do we wait for the changes to happen first and then
0: build it? Right, like, and, and that's what frustrates me with the yeah. conversation, because, you know, on one side, of the, the, the there's the pipeline protesters who want to stop all the pipelines and stop the flow of oil and just no, 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 which... Is a dream in in that yeah we want to stop carbon emissions, but it's not a reality in the sense that our entire society runs on that. And
1: do we have an alternative yet? Exactly. No, no
0: and we that's don't. that's what needs to be twinned with you know yeah. like the way I see it is like if you're going to build a pipeline, then there should be equal infrastructure investment in the alternatives, either energy or yeah. you know hemp or whatever it is. But it it. It yeah. takes policy from the top, and, and I think people get kind of lose sight of um, the longer term goals. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, well, you know, LNG or pipelines are going to be good for the next 20 years of the economy. I'm like, yeah, but 20 years isn't a very long it's not time. Very, yeah, it, it, it'll come and it'll go, and it then you'll be standing there with your hat in your hand yeah. when the whole, you know, that whole section of the economy collapses under us because of some unknown change you know, China Which does, is
1: in the works or something, you know, something's in the works out there somewhere. Well unless come and, and eliminate the need for those things, but
0: Yeah. It's and the panic now is have we run out of time? Is it too late? And I mean the reality is it's gonna be a a lot of years of instability as far as climate and, mm-hmm. you know, we're gonna have water refugees and food refugees is going the the that looks not good, and so I kind of like I kind of am amazed that people, uh, you know, I'm like, yeah, build that one more pipeline, but you know, if you're going to build a pipeline, build a factory for processing paper products in a different way, or retrofitting Selgar even. I mean, and I, I, as a single person, <laughs> I don't even know where to start. Like, do you, is that even an option? Would there be an option to say, hey, instead of bringing trees here, can we bring? hemp bales and process that into pulp is that even interesting
1: question though right right why don't we start asking those kind of questions and make it make it happen because who knows maybe they haven't even thought of that maybe they haven't thought of where the next step is coming from so
0: and i and i don't expect the people in the midst of it who are actually operating the current facility to suddenly think about completely Mm -hmm. changing it because right now i'm sure it's a it's challenging enough just to keep it going as is mm-hmm. you know um for you know being competitive in the market and everything so mm-hmm. i i it's funny because you wanted to talk about it and i often avoid these conversations because they get emotional really quick yeah. and yeah i find it challenging because when it gets emotional then nobody's open to new ideas and everyone sort of circles the wagons and you know, it's an us versus them thing, and I'm yeah. always like, oh, it'd be better if we all, like, sort of work together on yeah. this one, so...
1: I heard an interesting show on CBC Radio. I think it was Wednesday morning. I was going to work. I I didn't hear... I, w- I was only in the car for a few minutes. I didn't hear who the person mm. was who was being interviewed. Yeah. I, I didn't catch the beginning. I didn't catch the end, but what I did catch was, was him saying that the... Um, biggest influence on whether uh, someone is taking climate change seriously Mm -hmm. isn't uh, the scientific facts that they're aware of. It's not, Mm -hmm. you know, we can throw facts at people, we can can feed them all kinds of information, but that doesn't seem to make the difference. The difference seems to be their political affiliation. Mm -hmm. And... You know, we need to separate politics from this conversation. It, it doesn't need to... I, I, I get why it is a political conversation.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I wish it wasn't.
0: It's hard to get out of that politics thing. Yeah, yeah. It's, and that's where the emotions come up. I know, yeah. it's, it's, it's challenging. You know, I've had people tell me, oh, the Green Party... Wouldn't know how to how to keep the books or, or <laughs> do the uh, uh, which I know is not true because yeah, I followed the the Green Party quite extensively. Like we were in the riding when Elizabeth May got elected, and it it's just a perception that people have. Like same with people who no, are there are
1: equal as many intelligent people in the Green Party as there are in any other party. Yeah, it's specialized same you know?
0: in the Conservative or the Liberals Absolutely. or any of that, yeah. and it's. I find the, the the idea of party politics to not make sense at all anymore because um, uh, the de- democratization of information through the internet now it, it's it doesn't make sense to affiliate with a, a, a party and then have to fall in line behind that. It's like we're, we all have independent thoughts and mm-hmm. independent ways of approaching these things, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's interesting. The politics really bothers me because it's such yeah. a Waste of energy and waste okay. of time, and, and that's why I've always just done my own sort of way about doing it.
1: Well, and it was interesting because the guy on CBC Radio that morning also said that uh, that influential people within a com- within a community mm-hmm. can um, or trusted people within a community mm-hmm. can influence mm-hmm. the you know, the change in politics in that way or the yeah. change in, so that, you know, they, you know, if you have a certain group that trusts you, it's like, be vocal about these things that mm-hmm. you believe in because you have, you have that influence on people. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, if you are a trusted individual, your responsibility is pretty huge <laughs> actually yeah. because your, your voice is being heard and you, and mm-hmm. people are listening to what you say. And so um, you know, you have this podcast, and it's like, and people listen, and and you, so you have the potential to influence. Yeah. And yeah, it's a big responsibility. We can't.
0: Yeah, it's not a bit intim- a bit intimidating. It for is a me, bit intimidating. A little bit, yeah. I, I agree. <laughs> I, I, I enjoy it. I find me too. I really, um, I actually really like having taken part a little bit in the local politics. It was a learning curve for me. I've not. I've never lived in a community like this, this so small and like the long history Mm -hmm. of it. So I sort of got a crash course in in small town politics. Um, You know, what are you going to do? But at the end of the day, (laughs) I didn't... uh, There's nobody that I disliked at the end of the day. It's like everyone had their opinions and there was a lot of opinions. Mm -hmm. And I sort of just decided to take everyone on what I saw of them. Yeah, yeah. Because everyone's got... Well, everybody here has known everybody since back when, like since they they were kids, right? So everyone's got their own take on who everyone else is. And I know even for me personally, I've changed a lot over the years. The person I was in my teens is a very different person than I am now. And so if someone were to to sort of judge me on who I was growing up compared to what I am now, it's vastly different. So I always just try to give people the benefit of the doubt. Absolutely. um, But I also saw... How much potential local organiza- organizing has, and I felt like there is a lot more um, there's a lot more potential to actually achieve change in a local group mm-hmm. like this like as part of why I love Salmo the people here are very uh, uh, get or done people you know they, they, yep. there's a lot that happens here just by people getting out and doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a very live and let live kind of community. You know, I don't see a lot of, you know, bitter neighborly disputes and calling. You know, it's like people rather go and work it out with the neighbor than call the bylaw or whatever. It's like, <laughs> I, yeah. and I, I appreciate that because, you know, those laws are there and, I, and they make sense that they're there. But they're really the first step is to go and knock on your neighbor's door and be like, yeah. hey, can we work this out? Yeah. You know, and yeah. I see that happening here. I see that being something that this community is capable of doing is working through those sorts of things. So, yeah. Um, but there's there's a lot of different issues. Everyone's got their their drum to beat. So, there um, are.
1: I think we make biggest the biggest differences when we um, meet people where they're at and and mm-hmm. take them for who they are and yeah. influence them, even even one on one. You know, it's
0: absolutely. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, I, ca- I guess I could tell you about my. My tree planting idea. This yeah, is, yeah, so, I wanted to hear about So this is something I, I'm glad to talk to you about it because I, I was going to ask Gareth to do this with me because I want to sort of flesh out the idea and, and um, see where, where things might work and maybe people have some input. But it started out with just a personal goal of me wanting to plant a certain amount of trees this year. So I just picked a number. I was like, I, I want to plant personally 2019 trees just and for you, the year.
1: And you are an arborist, are you? Right, Is yeah. that your, that's yeah, your trade, the, that's your skill? That's though?
0: my trade, and yeah. that's I'm in the midst, I would say I'm in the midst of a, a very rewarding career as an arborist. So I started out doing mainly danger tree removals and view clearing on Salt Spring Island. Um, I had some great teachers. Uh, in fact, Scotty Royal, who was on CBC radio this morning defending his right to log a clear cut on Salt Spring, <laughs> I've spent a few days hey, buddy. <laughs> well, I, mean, I I don't think he would call me a buddy. Oh. <laughs> but he's he's someone I've spent a few days falling mm-hmm. trees with and he's a master of his craft. He's an incredible logger. Like, I mean, as a faller, he's good. But that's all that's what he does and that's yeah. what he knows. Yeah, and so for sure. you know, I I started there and then um, I spent a little bit of time in a in an organization on in Vancouver, called BC Plant Healthcare, and they're very geared towards plant healthcare and uh, you know fertilization, pruning. They have a big pruning program, and so that's a very interesting. There's some cool things going on in like uh, municipalities like Surrey. Um, but the long and the short of it, my my whole kind of career has been around trees mm-hmm. and climbing trees, and then recently I bought a sawmill. So there's it's a it's a small portable mill geared towards sort of harvesting uh lumber in like someone's backyard you know if you take down a big maple tree in a backyard and you can't get a machine in there i can get the mill in there and turn it into lumber and get it out And that was sort of a personal thing for me um one of my mentors in the past had this exact machine and I, i i really liked what it did um because I love burning firewood, don't get me wrong, but there's some trees that Mm. are better suited for other things than firewood. And there's Mm -hmm. always firewood at the end of it. Even if you turn it all into lumber, there's always a big pile of firewood anyways. So um, doing that, that sort of prompted me to think, well, most every tree that has employed me or given me any kind of income was a tree planted before I was born. Right. And either by nature or by person... But they were all going before I got here. So, you know, I I owe a lot of my working life to to stuff that's happened before me. So I I thought, well, you know, sort of as a paying it forward, I would love to just plant high value tree crops. And so when I say tree plant, for me personally, it's higher value plants, um, trees that produce uh, good furniture wood like walnut or um, cherry or chestnut. Mm-hmm. Hardwoods, oaks, things like that. Okay. Um, nut trees, I like. The walnuts are sort of the epitome of, of multi-purpose. Mm-hmm. They're they're very good food. Um, they don't require a lot of inputs. They produce amazing wood that's desirable. And they're beautiful. They're one of my favorite trees to take care of. They're gorgeous when they're take, well taken care of. So I was like, okay, well, and they're pretty easy to propagate. Yeah, stick a nut in the ground, <laughs> you know, and it grows. Next thing you know, you've got a tree. Yeah. And so the biggest thing, I mean, what I realized is like, oh, I know I can get 2019 seeds in the ground. That's pretty easy. And I'm, I'm pretty sure I can keep those watered and let them grow for a couple of years, you know, until they're knee high or waist high or whatever is a sapling. Mm-hmm. The part where I was like, I need to reach out to the community is finding permanent homes for these trees. Right. And, you know, from experienced people it's lovely to have trees right around your home but generally they turn into problems later I on do. so oh. so there's you we know had
1: that beautiful maple in front of our house on 8th Street and and uh, yeah every year Fortis came by and <laughs> trimmed it
0: down right so it was, uh, yeah there's a certain management right thing. Place, so for sure my thought was like looking around some a lot of people with acreage there's a lot of sort of unused parts of properties and whatnot so i'm sure i was thinking okay i can propose it to people hey i would love to find permanent homes for trees um maybe inviting people to prepare uh the soil or area or maybe even somewhere where they think they can get water to it because one of the things that we are facing is in climate changes is, is um drought and, mm-hmm, and for sure. that is affecting our forests. Yeah. i think current projections are that the forest makeup is going to change we're going to shift out of cedar dominant and hemlock dominant and more into pine dominant because we're just going to have hotter and drier conditions yeah.
1: so we already see a change don't
0: we yeah, yeah it's clear yeah. you know we're yeah. seeing it happen right now and so you know part of this is I can't take care of that many trees long term. and the reason why I set the number so high is just natural mortality. If mm-hmm. I plant two thousand trees and fifty percent of them make it through the first year and then fifty percent of those make it through the tenth year and then mm-hmm. you know you end up with you know maybe a hundred trees or so that make it to maturity, which is still a th- good
1: Are you thinking you would sell these trees or just give them or what yeah, I,
0: I wouldn't sell them I would and they and they're led to the other thread of what how I would like to proceed with it is that I know that there's some people that would really like this idea, but maybe live in an apartment building or don't or rent or don't have a property where they can offer that. Um, Maybe they would be willing to start some seeds and care for them to a stage where, you know, you could put them in a five gallon pot and then move them on. Yeah. So that's one way for people to contribute. (laughs)
1: Like like the SPCA does with animals. You know, you foster (laughs) it for a bit and then, yeah. yeah. And so
0: that I'm hoping that some people will want to take that on, you know, if they want to plant some even apple seeds or hazelnuts or whatever, any, uh, I like the idea of food, food bearing uh, trees just because, um, in, you know, emergency kind of ideas. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I really got fascinated with the walnuts when, was it last year before there was uh, huck, lack of huckleberries and the bears were really going to town on the on the walnuts. Really? And I, I realized that the walnuts is sort of like not their preferred food, but you know, if they gotta if they gotta mm-hmm. get by there's something they can go to. And then a lot of people are like, oh, well bears, you don't want to have bears around. And I'm like, well, the bears are around. <laughs> they, so, they you were know, here. Yeah. They've, they've always been here. So if you want to, you know, if you want to yeah. plant a walnut tree in your back 40 uh, and, and let the bears have at it, trees are pretty tough. They, even when a yeah. bear tears the crap out of a tree, they, they, they survive. They're ugly, yeah. but they survive. <laughs> and part of my wanting to do that, planting trees like that was also to say, um, with the removal of, the influx of salmon nutrients into our ecosystem, um, that's been a huge detriment to the entire mm-hmm. forest system, right? We don't have this big fertilizer every fall and spring that comes racing up the river from the ocean, bringing all that ocean nutrient all the way up here to be dispersed among the wildlife and then ultimately the forest. So, you know, I thought, okay, well, planting trees like that it would at least provide food for animals like bears or. And, whatever else would would graze on that and humans too um and then on top of that the, the trees produce like you know even if you had it planted somewhere was an ideal you can cut it down for wood and so my my long term vision is sometime long when i'm gone there would be there would be enough Um, hardwood trees planted in the area that there could be like a cottage furniture industry just around harvesting what's there it's kind of a pie-in-the-sky idea but it's something that I know I could personally do I know I can plant trees every year and without the attachment of I need to see a return on that investment and so I don't want to waste sustainability works right you yeah You get what you you
1: create. What you need, you use. What you need, you create. You know, you replenish
0: the supply. Yeah. 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 So uh, regenerative agriculture, regenerative Mm -hmm. practices. I mean, the idea of sustainability is is great, but it's that's sort of when just both sides of the equation equal. And at this point, we sort of need to be adding back into the system on the other side. So I taken from it for long enough. Yeah. So, plus, plus, plus. And then the other way I thought that people could uh, contribute is, you know, maybe they don't have a green thumb or time or whatever. But if some if if I was going to ask for people to contribute in the way that um, donate um, enough money to employ a youth in the community for an hour. So let's say donate fifteen dollars and that'll be held until we have like a planting day or some sort of community event, but enable to hire somebody um, in the community and teach them um, just the basics of tree planting, tree selection, young tree training as far as pruning and all that kind of stuff. It's not something that I can afford to just do myself is hire someone and whatever. But if someone said, well, I can afford to donate $15, if eight people did that, that's a full day of work for one person in the community and they would end up with days work and then also um and uh, a deeper understanding of the whole cycle of planting trees and harvesting and whatnot so nice that was another way that people so have you started
1: planting these seeds yet or are you no you're, those, you're, you're it, still thinking the, about these, these trees will,
0: these trees will probably get planted this fall because i'll be starting them from seed mm-hmm. so every year when i can and this is why i wanted to reach out to people when i can i collect seeds so there's a few trees in calcigar i know of. they're sweet chestnuts they're um these spiky little devils, but they're oh, edible yeah. chestnuts yep. that you can roast over the fire. And they're, they're delicious and um, they're easy to propagate from seed. Mm-hmm. You know, you basically, the way I do it, I just stick it in with the garlic or with the lettuce. Water it all year that grows about a foot in the first year. You can leave them in a couple years in, in a annual bed if you just, you know, sort of... Um, don't do any deep digging or tilling like just like light weeding and you can grow your annuals amongst these seedlings they really don't bother like kale or lettuce or garlic yeah. or anything they sort of just cohabit in your annual bed eventually they'll get too big right but right, at, that, right. at that point is when you link up the gardeners with say the property owners who have you know 80 acres that they're not doing anything with and then organize a like work party where a group of us would dig up the seedlings and transport them to their permanent homes prep those spots plant them and and leave them be and sort of go so that's sort of what I'd like Sounds to organize great. yeah but it's it's organizing right and so yeah. the reason I haven't launched it yet is because I want to I want to be organized in the sense that when people show an interest I want to be able to like just put them in a in a mailing list and organize them as to are they a gardener are they a landowner are they wanting to volunteer time or money and do that as so it takes up as little of my time as possible because yep. already I've I do too many things my partner is always <laughs> on me she's like well why why are you doing a new thing now when you already do all those other things, and I guess that's just my—I yeah, just.
1: am guilty of the same thing. But I, <laughs> yeah, I volunteered for something else the other night too. That I, people said, I can't believe you have time for that, and I'm like, well, no, busy people can get stuff done. Yeah. Actually, I, yeah.
0: I like it. So. Yeah, that's the joke yeah. in the office. They say, well, how, how do you how do you get anything done? Give it to the busy guy. Yeah, right? exactly. Get it in. So that's yeah. that's sort of the basics of my idea, and I I wanted I haven't been able to fully sit down and get that all on paper but I want to get that down in a succinct way yeah. and then promote that idea not only in the Salmo community which is definitely where I would like to do that but also in the surrounding communities. The thing about Salmo is we're in the middle of everywhere yeah. so from Roslyn to Trail, Castlegar Nelson and everywhere in between um, and I if I, if we organize it right, hopefully there will be groups that just sort of take on that idea and do it themselves independently and then maybe just sort of share the their results with the bigger group. Um,
1: That's a great idea, Kyle. I think it's,
0: yeah. Yeah, I love it. It's got a lot of
1: potential and I think it, you know, it's like reforestation in the way that it's, you know, totally usable. And mm-hmm. yeah, we're...
0: Well, yeah, and it's, a, it's it's definitely a different approach to it. I mean, I'm not focusing on, you know, firs and cedars and, no, you know, the softwoods. And mm-hmm. and I think the the tree planting programs that are going with that are, are great. Um, for sure. But for me, you know, part of it is the idea of planting thousands and thousands of walnuts mm-hmm. in, in the, the greater region, I can just see future arborists <laughs> having work, you know, to yeah. prune those trees and yeah. care for them or whatever. And and that to me is also, it, that's a big part of all of this is the biggest pushback on a lot of these um, movements and things that we want to do is, is
1: what's going to pe- happen to the jobs to
0: the jobs. People, yeah. people need to work. Yeah. And it's not that they need to work for the sake of working. People need to feed themselves. Absolutely. And they, they yeah. You know, and and the idea of a universal basic income, I, I understand it, but uh, my only hesitation on that is, is, people need to have something that they feel they're contributing and they're doing, and if if they aren't provided that, it it leads to like a, a sort of depression or, or something like a, you, that. You're not a valuable contributor, like if you don't have a purpose, it's, it's, it's no good for people. So yeah, that's for me is always, I always try to think how, how do we make green initiatives that create employment for people? Like that's got to be on, on the right at the top of the list of of all of it is like, well, how does this turn into a job for someone? How do we employ anybody in this so that they Wake up in the morning and have something meaningful to do and, and, and know that they'll be able to pay their rent and feed their kids at the end of the day. you Because know? if you don't have that, you, your intentions can be the best. You can want the best things in the world. But if you're you know, a week away from the end of the month and you don't have the bills covered... You'll do just about anything, right? You know, yeah, yeah. You'll go and spray those yep. chemicals on whatever. Where do you want me to spray them? What yeah. are you paying me? That's what ends up I know. happening. It's,
1: it does end up happening, or I'll build a pipeline, or I'll build, a, you know, yeah, anything. I'll I mean, all those trees down, <laughs> whatever it I, takes. I've, you know? I've been guilty it's, of
0: it myself. Yeah. There's been there's been times. Uh, luckily, not so much anymore. But on Salt Spring, mm-hmm. sometimes it was a struggle, and there were times where I didn't feel good about what I was being hired to do, but right. I didn't really have. The ability to say, no, this isn't right. Yeah. Because I had to make rent. Yeah. I had to, you know,
1: you know my, my career as an early childhood educator, I've been doing that for over 30 years now. And I I think, you know, I, there are so many other things that I'm passionate about as well. I am passionate about the care of our community's children. I am. I am passionate about the environment. But I, you know, but I do this stuff i do the green dream stuff off the side of my desk mm. of my full-time plus job that mm. i am dedicated to so right. i often think you know if there was a way to actually be able to make money doing this cuz i'm not you know i i have probably 15 more years of working mm. <laughs> that i'm going to have to do before right. i you know even think about retiring so if there was a way to make a living doing some of this important community work, I'd be, I'd be doing that too. You know, it's, there's so many, and Selma is great for that. You know, volunteerism is huge in our community Mm -hmm. and it's, and it's great. People are able to take part in what they're passionate about, but it's, uh, you know, it's being able to, like you say, feed your family and pay your bills when it comes down to it too, you know.
0: Yeah. 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 And so, actually, I wanted you to, you to tell me a little bit more about that. You, When you introduced yourself, you, you said you started this, the, the...
1: Salmo Children's Center. Children's
0: Center. Yeah. And it's yeah. quite a large employer now.
1: It is. Actually, I think um, recently, well, a couple of years ago, we expanded to include the care of infants and toddlers. And mm-hmm. now we employ 11 people. And, yeah, that's you know, they're, yeah, they're not all full-time, but... It's pretty close, so yeah, that's and a pretty big employer for the little village of Selma. It is,
0: and yeah. you know, to me, those are the biggest successes. Um, you know, for me, I, I don't know. I'm not the best businessman, and I'm really not that <laughs> interested in having a bunch of employees. I, I don't. Mm-hmm. I it's would, not easy. No, it's not easy, and <laughs> no. I would, I would rather. Yeah. I guess you do what you know, and I'd rather kind of follow the. Trajectory of how I got to where I am is basically through the apprenticeship model is teach mm-hmm. someone a skill and then sort of let them go in the world yeah. and do that thing. Um, so, you know, I wouldn't be able to at the end of the day be like, well, I'm a big employer or I've created right. this many jobs, but I know I have trained a lot of people in the field I'm in yeah. and they're Honestly, it wasn't
1: a goal of mine to create jobs <laughs> when, when we opened that center. It was a goal to create you know, wonderful care spaces for children. Right. So the job thing just kind of kept happening and, and big I'm, bonus. yeah, I'm that's really great. glad that, you know, we've got, um, yeah, local employees and yeah, it's just, mm-hmm. it's great. Nice group of people in a really wonderful place. But yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I would like to, yeah. And that's just it. Like I, I bring up my ideas, but like, I want to hear more ideas of, yeah. of how us as a community could create more, more, meaningful work for people. like well, it- And
1: I think some of this, you know, environmental stuff has a lot of potential, and I think the time is right. I mean, it, the other day, yesterday, actually, I was in Nelson and um, waiting for a service, and I had uh, the Nelson Star in front of me that, from that day. And, and every page had articles about uh, environmental stuff or climate change stuff mm-hmm. or the impacts of of this, uh, or the impacts of that on the environment. And it yeah. was, um, it just kind of hit me because we're kind of in the midst of this, you know, with with April and Earth Day. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for us in Salmo, Earth Day has become a really, really neat celebration. We we celebrate our Earth, but in getting ready to celebrate our Earth, we're, we're it, it all also brings forward all that stuff about, the harm we're doing to the mm. earth too, and and how you know we're making you know, we're harming the earth, but we're harming our earth. You know, this mm. is our yeah. home. This is you know we want to create a home that you know our great 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 grandchildren can still mm. call home. You know, and yeah. it's uh, there. There are a lot of issues that we need to kind of get control of before yeah. things hit the wall.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting. I think of, you know, thinking back to the employment stuff and and the modern world that we live in, you know, like we wouldn't be doing this podcast if it wasn't for mining, you know, and we wouldn't be, you know, doing the travel that we do, all all the things. The lifestyle we live is very dependent on that. And I I look at, um, you know, Kamenko Tech. And where they've come from and where they're at now, you know, they're highly monitored and they have major yeah. environmental protections in place. They sure do. And they're yeah. still producing highly valuable products for the, the type of world that we live in. And so I I always say it's like there's always a better way of doing whatever it is we're doing. Yeah. Like there's always a way of getting it better. Yeah. And... I don't, you know, if we get to the point where we're like, oh, good enough, it's like, no, well, you know, there's always, <laughs> no. we could always try and improve it, and there's a little risk in that, and, and yeah, it's it's challenging. It, it's challenging to meet people who just don't care, and just whatever, and unfortunately, those people are a lot more destructive than people that care are yeah. constructive, you know? Yeah, so it's,
1: I, I think that's why we have to keep talking about it, and why we have to keep doing Little things like this podcast, or like Earth Day in the park, or whatever, mm-hmm. where we can, you know, we we just invite people down and they learn, they learn stuff, they have fun, they mm-hmm. hang out with their neighbors, they, yes. you know, we've got so many people involved in that. And actually, I I have this list here, and you know, the listeners won't see this, but but I have four pages, um, that are pretty. It, you know, some of them are kind of sparse and whatever. but but the I have so many names of people who have been involved in Green Dream and in Earth Day in the park over no. the last little while. i'm I'm just in the process of creating a bit of a, a um, email list, a listserv so that I mm, can yeah. you know, communicate more easily with people as yeah. April approaches because this this festival for Earth Day that we're doing is pretty much, you know, it's kind of taking care of itself now. Mm-hmm. As soon as we say it's April, people are saying, "I'm there." Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. they're they're there, ready to come and yeah. share their information, share their products, share their—I I don't know. It's just really neat share their talents. We've got share their money. We have yeah. we have sponsors who just you know all we have to do is ask, and they say, "Here you go." Mm-hmm. You know, we've got. And I should mention them because we, we receive support every year from Columbia Basin Trust mm-hmm. and RDCK in the village of Salmo.
0: Yeah,
1: Satco has contributed money. Um, Margo Resources, yeah. uh, Shambhala, they've all contributed money to producing Earth Day in the Park or other mm-hmm. initiatives that Green Dream has taken on, including our little newspaper insert we we did an environmental kind of edition of the Selma Valley newsletter last year or the year before and then and then a couple years before that as well Mm -hmm. and um and these organizations give money and all we all we have to do is ask and they're Mm -hmm. more than supportive they you know and we have other partnerships too with organizations like Salmo Watershed Stream Keepers and the Salmo Valley Farmers Market, and Mm -hmm. these are these are groups in town who are doing Mm -hmm. like really amazing stuff and local, locally produced, you know, Mm -hmm. food, locally produced.
0: Well, that's besides the forestry. (laughs) Besides the forestry one, the food sustainability thing, and, and that one's a big one for me and that's sort of how i got into the tree work thing i started at a woofing at a farm that happened to do forestry and uh, had a tree nursery and all kinds of stuff so the idea of food security um it seems a little far-fetched to some people but it really it is important to have those systems in mm-hmm. place like i think supporting local farmers in Um, building up their infrastructure and their systems and being able to produce food on scale like we have some pretty aren't we
1: lucky in Salmo? it's amazing Mm -hmm. how i mean we we can get almost everything we need locally Mm -hmm. and i i mean i have to tell you i i am not like I'm not a radical person. I'm not. You don't seem like one. <laughs> no, of. I am not. No one who knows me would say that I am radical in any way. But I, um, I became vegan nine years ago because uh-huh. I, I was. Um, it was what I could do for the environment, mm. to be yeah. honest. And I, and I don't, you know, push that on anyone else. But I thought until such a time as I can get what I need locally then then i will i will not you know eat factory farmed um
0: yeah i hear you stuff
1: i yeah it's the the environmental impact of factory farming is huge and i and i just thought well that's what i can do Mm -hmm. but i certainly don't expect everyone to do that no so i but I, i think everyone can do a little something you know if for sure if if that's important to me and that's the way I can make a difference, mm-hmm. maybe someone else can make a difference by buying uh, an electric vehicle or maybe someone else can, mm-hmm. you know, plant trees or maybe someone else yeah. can.
0: Well, the food thing, I mean, I commend you for being vegan because that's not easy. Um, I know it's I, not I, that hard. <laughs> it is for me. I've, I've been vegan in, uh, in the past and uh, just with the, Physicality of the type of work I do, it just mm. I can't sustain. I, I just hit a wall. I, I like I do need
1: anim- I need animal people,
0: fats and yeah. in, in my in my diet. But that being said, is you can always do it better. Right, locally produced, locally produced. wild or wild yeah. craft harvested, whatever you can get uh, ethically produced, sustainably or regeneratively produced. Um, Meat products and and, True. Yeah. and as far as farming goes, I, I would argue that um, it's very, very challenging to um, manage large areas of land without the use of animals. Um, animals are very, very useful just in the in their nature and animal husbandry and u- utilizing them on land can can be uh, very beneficial for the for the land. it can also be very destructive if it's managed (laughs) too
1: many of them but that's that's where
0: you bump up against the whole the whole economics of anything you know you usually the economics of those things are the economics of scale we're all used to seeing the whatever seven dollar chicken at at the grocery store it's almost impossible to produce a chicken for seven dollars unless you have a factory producing them so
1: absolutely
0: yeah you know the idea of of encouraging people to spend a little bit more for a higher quality food product, but if they also know that the the raising of that animal resulted in healthier soil and, you know, fertilizing and, and maintaining, um, mm-hmm. you know, a food forest or, or, or whatever, then you see that there's so many more benefits to making that choice than just, they- just the, oh, I don't want to support a factory farm. It's like, well...
1: If they realize that they don't have to eat a $7 chicken every day, they can eat a $15 chicken once a week or mm-hmm. yeah. twice a week and have you know the same physical benefits or yeah. whatever and not not have something detrimental to the environment or mm-hmm. whatever. I it, this is this is the thing it's hard for me because I don't I don't love to get on soapboxes about stuff. This me is either. not this isn't me. So no, yeah, it's... so I do what I can do and sure. I and I don't preach. And I and I try yeah. to let people know that, you know, they can do what they can do. Mm-hmm. Not everybody can be vegan. Not everybody can afford an electric vehicle. But everybody can do something, you know. Everybody yeah. can reduce their water usage. Mm-hmm. Everybody can follow water use bylaws in the summer, <laughs> you know. Everybody can, yeah. you, you know, everybody can... Reduce their use of plastics. Everybody yeah, can, you know. There's it's, so many little things. There's
0: always more we can do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and yeah. I, I understand that it's not easy to do a lot of those things, and a lot of the things that we're we've grown accustomed to are for convenience' sake. Yeah. And so, you know, it's a big ask. And like you, you were saying before, people's po- politics around it and their perception of the the quote unquote problem. Right. It's um. It's challenging to get past those guards, and, and yeah, soapboxing and getting loud and in people's face. The people, the people who aren't already on board w- with it, are not going to get on board because you're yelling at them. Right? And, uh, yeah. You know, and I and, wouldn't. <laughs> no, of course. And so my answer to that is, well, you don't ask people to change at all. You just change the system, the environment that they're in. Yeah. You know, if you go to the grocery it's store, it's easy for them. If you go to the grocery store locally. And you can manage to get your chicken within a couple of dollars of the other option, Mm -hmm. you know, and if everyone starts choosing the other option they won't you know it'll Mm -hmm. end up being the only option you know well you can only get local organic chicken at the grocery store because that's all they got right and then the person who couldn't give two flicks about anything Mm -hmm. they're gonna buy organic chicken locally produced and hey you're part of the solution now too and you didn't even try exactly so that's my take on dealing with the plastic bag movement in grocery stores you know
1: and now it doesn't matter what store you go in they ask would you like a bag with that yeah more often than not now, people are saying, no thanks, yeah. I brought my own, or mm-hmm. no thanks, I'll just juggle these things up to my car because I, I don't want to use a bag or whatever. And
0: or just paper straws at A&W.
1: Oh, yeah, exactly. A&W
0: is actually kind of interesting because they yeah. realize that it's important to people and they've got it plastered all over their walls, you know, no it's hormones. It's funny, and right?
1: They're an example of how... You know, I I don't know tons about how NW works, but but to me, what I see there is an example of how a large corporation can make changes that mm-hmm. are huge for
0: offering for all a veggie of us. burger, yeah. offering you know other options, and people are choosing that. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's I think sometimes for me, I always just I'm always like, why why is it taking so long? <laughs> You know, like, why? Yeah. Why, why? what's the holdup? And, you know, the gears... Because it th-
1: didn't take us very long to get into this mess.
0: <laughs> no, yeah. It has,
1: well, I guess it has been it's, a
0: while since. It's been a long... You know, it's been generations yeah. of people doing their thing. And that's what actually... The, part of the fascination with the history of, of this area is like, you know, I was reading the, some of the, the Salmo Stories history book, and you look at some of, some of the people that settled here, it's like, you're lucky you made it through the winter. Oh, for sure. So yeah. you know, if yeah. if making it through the winter meant burning down half the forest, well, you know that that's was what, they what had to that's do what you had to do to do the it. Time. And so I don't begrudge that, and then, you know you can't go back and, and and.
1: They certainly weren't talking about sustainability back then. <laughs> no, they just talked about survivability. survival. Survival, yeah. right? Yeah, so yeah that was get, it.
0: Get your kids to, yeah. you know past childhood is a, is a feat you know oh exactly so but now we live in this you know we're we're pretty pr- privileged now and so where we can we should make a difference i can just uh, i can just picture the guys at the fire hall making fun of me for this podcast right now
1: why uh,
0: they're me a little bit as uh, you're
1: getting into the, well, the natural stuff well yeah the environment <laughs> yeah. you
0: know they're they're all good guys and, and i think they all would agree with me on a, a lot of these things so yeah. you know and actually actually lot, they would a lot they of are them grow guys. their own food and are, yeah. are are doing it anyways but yeah. it's just like the hippie granola talk it turns a lot of people up and it does <laughs> to me too like it gets a little bit much and i go okay and so i am reluctant to to Get into these conversations myself as well because I found I, I always go. I had have, have I've had this conversation. Yeah, I had this conversation ten years ago, yeah, and exactly, I'm still yeah. nothing's really changed for me. I do what I can, and you see more and more of it of people doing more and trying harder. And
1: I think so. I think an awareness is happening right now. I think the, big big changes we need are not here yet they're not yeah. too imminent and i think that that's the thing you know i i i wish i had more of those scientific facts that i could just throw out there and mm-hmm. say you know this is why but to me it's just you know taking what i know and common mm-hmm. sense and mm-hmm. and treating treating the earth like like i would like like I'm going to be relying on the earth for the rest of my life and my grandchildren's life so which I am so common, common sense plays a huge part in it you know I mean we know we're in the midst of doing stuff that is not right or not good for the environment or not good for the future and I and yet I don't know we somehow keep letting other people get away with it so
0: yeah it's It's it is a challenge because you know I know people that you know proudly wear a shirt that says clear-cut everything because they because that's their thing and and I Uh, I get it on some level because you know once you get focused on something and you get really good at it you know that's your thing. It's and, what you know. And I mean, I, I I'll spend time on Instagram watching people fall massive trees because I'm, you know, it's fascinating. I've done it and I like <laughs> it. And I, but you know, yeah. big addiction is those um,
1: gold mining shows on. Oh, the ones on in the, Australia and or stuff. Alaska? Or Alaska, Alaska maybe. Oh yeah. Or Northwest Territories. I don't know. I,
0: I don't know where they're going. All of that stuff's interesting to me. But oh, that being God. said, it's like, for example, Margo Resources in this area. They're a mining company, and they're going to mine, and they're. But they are also going. Well, how do we do this better? Yep. How do we do water monitoring better? And how, how do, do we-, we
1: fix what's been done before? Like they're making some really neat
0: changes. Yeah, they're 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 at least trying. hmm They're at least saying, well, we're we're willing to try do it in a better way yep. now. The reality of it is it's probably not economically viable to do some of it and, you know they're going to just run into the wall of like well we can extract materials from this but we're not going to make any money and nobody's going to bury millions of dollars in a, in a passion project just for the sake of being like well we did it you know mm-hmm. so what is, what's one to do with that luckily you know they are willing to try and look at it and honestly make a go of it um and not only
1: that they're supporting the work of other organizations in town that are able to carry on doing some other good stuff so Mm -hmm. you know i i look at their support of green dream i look at their support of the selma watershed streamkeeper society and i think you know what you you can't do it all but you can help us do it it's a good start yeah it's a great start yeah and i appreciate it a lot
0: yeah and like we were talking earlier um you know like this guy scotty on salt spring and michael jenks who tried it on salt spring and now is again here doing it i don't know how to bridge that gap and you're, I,
1: you're talking about the clear cutting and the massive the private massive
0: private property industrialized
1: forestry
0: and you know the forestry industry has rules and regulations that, that there are guidelines to it but there's very little guidelines when it's private property. When you're going to log crown land, there's, you got to replant, you got to, there's, I don't know all the rules. Probably should get a a, a forester in here that could tell us what they need to do. But it's not, it's, it's not just do whatever you want, but when it's privately owned, it is, it doesn't log the watershed, log whatever. It doesn't matter. And I don't really know if there's anything I would, could say to someone like that, who, that's their business that's all they've done and all they know how to do i don't know if there's anything i'm going to say to them that's going to make a difference in the way they make decisions so
1: and people on a on a smaller scale you know someone used to buy up an acre or two acres of land or whatever and they would say oh yeah we'll buy that tree property and then we can log it and and they would you know they might selectively mm-hmm. log their property and get a few dollars off of the the trees that they logged or whatever but that w- that's what's in people's minds mm-hmm. when they buy forested land yeah. so on a, on a larger scale when someone buys that many acres of heavily forested land yeah. and they're saying oh yeah we'll buy that land and we can log it and then we'll sell it log and it. then we'll, it. we'll make money all over the place and yeah I yeah yeah how do we influence that
0: to change that. It's a challenging one. I mean, I've heard stories of, you know, going by a massive clear cut and someone telling you the story is like, "Oh yeah, blah blah blah, that person logged that and they had a massive cocaine problem, pretty much all those trees went straight up the guy's nose."
1: Oh,
0: and you go, like, "Well, that's terrible." He
1: doing that? yeah, 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 I mean like I'm right? like, that's horrible for yeah.
0: for everybody involved. I'm sure he didn't really have the I'm sure he had fun at times but there's probably a lot of regrets. (laughs) And and if he didn't have that
1: money, he wouldn't have done that. He would have been better off in the long run.
0: It's like, well, who knows? And so there's, there's so many layers to this and that's why, you know, I was excited to talk to you about it, but I I still, after all these conversations, I am like, I don't know any other answer than making personal decisions. Like you did. Like I personally don't, don't, um, eat ocean fish. Mm -hmm. From an experience I had when I was a teenager, I got a job on a fishing boat I was trying to make money to go traveling. I'm fresh out of high school. I'm going to go catch salmon. I'm going to make more money than I've ever made in my entire life. I was so excited. Mm -hmm. And I'm sitting on the dock in Port Hardy, surrounded by just a fleet of fishing boats. I mean, just thousands of boats and hundreds, you know, I don't know, thousands, hundreds of boats and thousands of men gearing up ready to go out and pull fish out of the water and I'm like great I'm gonna get paid this is awesome that was the first year um, or at least the only year I had known that fisheries shut the season down there were so few salmon in the run they just said we can't fish there are no salmon out here and if we send all these people out we're gonna catch what little there is and there will be none in the future and that sort of all put it in perspective to me. And when I looked at the, the scale of just that one year of fishing, yeah. I was like, well, I'm not going to stop any of these people from doing this. There's nothing in the world that's going to get, you know, this guy's half a million dollars in debt for the boat and the gear. He's going to go fishing. He's got to, you know, like he has incentive to go fishing. But me personally, I can choose not to eat right. ocean fish because yeah. I understand the, the scope of it yeah. so that's always been what i come back to is like <laughs> we have to make personal choices and yeah. what we can do and uh,
1: i often think when i think about ocean fish i think about all the other species that are compromised um while while those ocean fish are being being fished yeah you know like how many other species are getting um, caught in the nets or you know well, whatever and not whatever
0: that food like they're yeah, they're, they're not getting the food there's or. a lot of money being given out right now to um salmon related projects because uh not because of salmon salmon's food but um we're seeing starving killer whales yeah and so people are going wait what the, they, the they don't have food so now we need to protect the salmon and it's an it's interesting that yeah. it takes seeing the killer whales needing to protect the original species, but we've seen it time and again, like on the East coast, the collapse of their fisheries and it still collapsed. It's, it hasn't recovered. And, you know, you take, say you used to be able to walk across the ocean on the fish. And so we can be immensely destructive, um, and then we don't really know how to fix it, so that's the problem. Yeah, yeah. it's it, it's a it's a big challenge. I am a little bit cynical. I, I must be getting old because when I was <laughs> when I was younger, I thought well we would be able to solve all these problems. I figured you know, in the next twenty years all these big changes are going to happen, and a lot has changed. But I also realized that there's there's a lot of people on the planet, and it
1: when you think about the the population density and how you know even if we make changes here it's not that we shouldn't make changes we should and we mm-hmm. should continue doing what we can as individuals but but what we what we come up with as some way to make um our lifestyle and our society more sustainable might not work in other places you know with their populations so absolutely so dense i mean imagine if everyone started using wood heat for example or whatever like i yeah. don't know wood heat is not that sustainable when you think about if everyone used wood heat what sure. would we you know how would that look, you know
0: but yeah absolutely you know and then it then it gets into um, making things communal cuz there's, there's this whole There's this whole thing about forest fires and fire mitigation, and there's a lot of dry fuel in our forest right now. (laughs) And I was like, well, you know, what would it take to mitigate the risk of fire and provide a source of heat to a large group of people utilizing that fuel? It's like that fuel is going to burn out in the forest Is there a way of burning it in a way that would heat our homes in the winter? But that's a huge mobilization. It's almost like, you know, the the amount of people you would need to do and the scale you'd need to do that on. But as usual, the most action happens when people are threatened directly. We get a couple of evacuations out of major urban areas because of forest fires. Then people decide, we need to do something about this. You know, it can burn... Ten thousand hectares in a day if it doesn't burn anybody's home no one cares but it can burn a thousand hectares in a week but if it comes through the the village or through the town suddenly it's a problem and that's the same with almost everything until it really becomes dire for the people in their own life they are complacent
1: and well you've got you know like in grand forks you know the Clear cutting in their watershed leading to a flood <laughs> in the right. runoff, you know. And, and, uh, or, you know, uh, neighbors in, in our own area here, uh, when the gas pipeline came through and they had a huge mudslide that basically mm. took out their house while they slept, um, you know, my friend who survived that had years of post traumatic stress disorder. Right. And, and right. this is because of this, you know, clear-cut gas pipeline that went yeah. through their property. And, you know, we, we, uh, I don't know, we, we do these things, but we don't, you know, like you say, we don't uh, think about the consequences until they're actually right there affecting right. us.
0: And that's, I think, why we're seeing a lot more of this mm-hmm. conversation right now that's on the news right now is Canada's warming twice as fast as the rest of the world and the arctic okay. is wor- warming three times as fast and the reality is that train is moving that's gonna keep happening and when it reaches a critical mass hopefully people will see this is affecting my life every year because mm-hmm. a lot of times it's like in houston or wherever it's like oh like if grand Florks started flooding like that every three years you you better believe there's going to be a big uproar and big change. Now, if we go 15 years without a flood like that, people start forgetting people start not, you know, and that's, that's the, the, you know, it's got to be fresh in people's minds for anyone to take action. So I, I, I don't know the answers. I really don't, Mm -mm. but I am very interested in having more conversations. Like, I mean, the podcast is a forum that I would, I'm open to using. And if anybody wants to come on and talk or, you know, rebut whatever we, we've said. We um, have
1: some really knowledgeable people in this area, and I it mm-hmm. would be great to hear the conversation get to a deeper level with some people who really yeah know their stuff. You know, who aren't just like me going from the heart. You know, but who are yeah who are really really knowledgeable about,
0: about yeah the changes. Yeah, because it would be nice to know the details of exactly why things will or will not work mm-hmm. and what can be done and the steps that can be taken. But I think what you're doing is great is, is compiling a list of people who are interested that you can communicate with. That's sort of what I want to do with the tree planting campaign is mm-hmm. get a mailing list and just be able to streamline those communications and organize things that are, you know, not nothing crazy, but like, you know, a day of two of, of transplanting trees or whatever that it, to me, I, I want to be able to organize those things and, see where they lead and see where the conversation goes from there.
1: I think that that's kind of what what our goal is with Green Dream as well. Like like we are a we're a group of volunteers who basically have decided or had decided in the past that that what we can do is produce an Earth Day event every year. Mm. But there are so many other things that we can do. So sure. I I would love like anyone who is interested in things like we, we started, a, a you know, plastic bag replacement pl- program a couple of years ago called boomerang bags where we were just going to put, um, we, we gathered and people made handmade, mm-hmm. um, reusable bags. And we, we gathered as many as we could. I think we ended up with about, um, Forty or so, at, you know, that were just handmade mm-hmm. ones in from the community, and and the idea was just to distribute handmade bags or, or mm-hmm. reusable bags to all the stores in town, so that people can just grab one if yeah. they need one, you know, and um, and it was great. We we were able, you know, we didn't have so many that that we could distribute them to all the businesses. Mm-hmm but we had enough that we took them to the food bank and right. we took them to a few places that could distribute them and I still see the bags out in the community it's great mm-hmm. but i you know there are there are things like that that could just be taken to the next level mm-hmm. and i i think that you know we have this organization green dream but but we you know environmental initiatives in Salmo aren't limited to what our organization does mm-hmm. they shouldn't be they mm-hmm. should be you know anyone who has an interest or has an idea should be able to do it and if they if you know like you with your tree planting mm-hmm. if you wanted to come and say to green dream hey this is how we want to get this going maybe mm-hmm. there's a little subcommittee that could go off and help you with that or i'm
0: sure or yeah. maybe
1: you know someone else wants to um you know find out more about uh, water metering or something like that. I don't know mm-hmm, go mm-hmm. and fly with that and mm-hmm. and people will lend a hand where they can and they you know there are so many little facets of this huge environmentalism kind of mm-hmm. picture that that there's something for every kind of interest area and i mm-hmm. I think that if people felt supported to um take on some of those initiatives or to make some of those ideas that Mm. are ruminating in their noggins, you know, make them reality. So that would be, that would be great. And really, like, we're here. Green Dream is here. And because, because what I have time for is organizing Earth Day in the park. Mm -hmm. But what other people have time for can be different than that. So
0: when... Is uh, Green Dream going to meet again before Earth Day in the Park, or...?
1: Not physically. We had a meeting on Thursday night, and but we're not going to be getting together before Earth Day in the Park. So we will be at KP Park on Easter Sunday, April 21st. Mm-hmm. Um, I, this year, uh, for the first time, I think, since we've been organizing it, uh, Earth Day has fallen on the Easter long weekend so mm-hmm. I know there were some people who were disappointed in the community in that and I I like to think that they're just disappointed that they were disappointed maybe that we're having Earth Day on Easter Sunday but Earth Day is on the Easter long weekend and we're just going to honor that and mm-hmm. I, I'd like mm-hmm. to think that they're just disappointed because they can't be there and they wish they could Right? If, yeah. It's and that's difficult. okay there's a lot of interest and what time is it from 12 noon until three o'clock.
0: 12
1: to three. Yeah, we have entertainers. Um, Marty Cart- Marty Carter has been there every year, mm-hmm. playing his He's beautiful great. music, and and uh, um, we've got Kyla Hanna, who's going to be there with her. She she uh, has this beautiful clown face, and she'll oh, so okay. she'll be doing some kids entertaining oh, nice. and some face painting as well. And, and we've got the farmers market that'll be happening there, and lots of other organizations who are coming to
0: share yeah. their information. There uh, was it the Earth Day celebration or Mother's Day where there was a lot of plants. I think it was Mother's Day.
1: There is a Mother's Day plant sale as yeah. well. Yeah, yeah, but there will be some plants, plants that, here. That I know that um, Meadowbrook day. is planning on having some yes. plant starts there, we and have
0: a bunch of stuff ready. Yeah,
1: yeah. Yep.
0: Cool. Right. I'm yeah. going to be there. Awesome. You. I'm going to make some birdhouses out of that. Uh, you know that big uh, spruce tree I took down in the park there?
1: Yeah.
0: I've got a bunch of that wood. I'm making birdhouses out of that wood. Awesome. So that'll be kind of um, awesome. fun to see where that goes. I'm sort of just picking it Like, that's one more thing that I'm doing. Yeah. I don't need to do, but I keep <laughs> busy busy. Um, well, it will be interesting to see um where it goes I'd like to come to a green dream meeting and uh maybe pitch the tree tree idea and just see where people are at and um maybe collaborate on you know doing a a mailing list or um finding uh, yeah out more about who's who's able to offer what and and how yeah and uh that's great yeah maybe um maybe some other people would want to get on here and and uh give some more information, um, about what we can do, um, to work together as a community. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I hopefully, hopefully we'll come up with some ideas for creating some employment and, and opportunities for young people in the community to do good things and, you know, uh, feel rewarded by it. Not just, uh, not just by feeling good about it, but you know,
1: yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah, there are so many ways to get the whole community involved, mm-hmm. and and actually, as far as uh, next year goes with Earth Day in the park, we're hoping to create a bit of, more of a community um, organization structure around the event, mm-hmm. so that it's not just uh, the people who come together with Green Dream who mm-hmm. are organizing it, but that the Salmo Valley Farmers Market mm-hmm. and the, the Salmo District Arts Council mm-hmm. and all these groups who are there yep. traditionally actually, you know, have a bit more of a chance for input into how things go. Right. And the village of Salmo, hopefully we can get some village representation yeah. on on Green Dream and and make it like it, it is a community event. And mm-hmm. you were there last year and, and you see how the community does come together and everyone mm-hmm. feels great it's a lovely event but um make it more of a an actual community
0: mm-hmm. event you know, yeah, yeah it's
1: organized by the community for the community so, sure yeah
0: cool yeah. well i really appreciate you reaching out um i know you showed interest in the podcast from the get-go and uh, yeah. i appreciated that um it's been a learning curve for me doing doing the show and uh I'd like to do more with the podcast. Uh, I'm talking with Mary and Larry about maybe doing a radio play. Fun. Um, I know Fun. that they, it's a lot for them to put on the full-on production, the stage production. Um, I, think they, I think they've had enough of that. Mm-hmm. But they are interested in, in doing a radio drama. I think they have a script. So uh, we'll see about that. <laughs> um, see where that goes. I know it's one of those things I'm like I really would love to do that but I'm like when am I gonna get the time to do any of that yeah. my big one of my biggest things right now is that uh, um, we only have one laptop in the whole family and it's technically Sarah Jane's laptop so I can't just use it whenever I want. And then the kids use it for homework too. Of course, and I'm like, yeah. So I've yeah. been, I've been, I've been trying, I, I applied for some funding to get a, a, a laptop. So just so it could be dedicated to the podcast. It would just make, um, my workflow smoother or quicker. Like I'd be able to get on, produce a podcast, maybe stop if I need to and come back to it. Like, it's just, it would be nice if the podcast had its own computer. So I, uh, We'll, awesome. s- we'll see what i probably will end up buying one myself but that's been one of the biggest hurdles to being consistent i know i've missed i have a recording of the last not the last council but the council before that the last council meeting i totally gapped on and just didn't record <laughs> it at all so i wasn't there for that um to get the audio from that yeah. and i know a few people listen to it but it's not a huge audience and I wouldn't expect it to be a massive audience because, I mean, council's not really that interesting. It's like the comings and goings of the town. and It's good, but it's a good community service and I want to keep doing it, but I definitely want the podcast to be more than just like, you know, the Mm. council meetings every few weeks. I'd like it to be, um, you know, uh, ongoing conversations, like hopefully someone else will reach out. Um, I definitely want to talk to to Kenny Anderson because he did say he would talk to me and tell me his story and Um, I've worked with him a little bit so like we have a little bit of a connection so uh but I have to reach out and arrange that. And mm-hmm. I want to talk to him about the Lions Club and the, the skating rink because I really appreciated the skating rink this year. Not that I got out there that much. No, but
1: good fun, though. Hey, we've got great things going on in this town.
0: There's too many things to do, honestly. I just yeah. can't get to all of it. Yeah. I want to, but there's just a lot <laughs> going on. So sign of a healthy community. It's and a I, fun
1: life it is we we have the the potential for a fun life in Salmo. it's
0: great yeah we've got a lot of good things yeah very lucky and uh yeah hopefully we can just keep making it better yeah yeah
1: thanks a lot for taking the time my
0: pleasure talk to me yeah anytime if you ever have a bright idea or you want to talk something out we can do that anytime and i'll make sure i get it now i gotta go home and Edit, edit, listen to
1: edit. all of this again yeah
0: exactly oh. i mean i don't know maybe i'll just post it i will probably listen to it one time and then uh try to make it you know uh, sound good on on the tape and everything but um yeah i more. said
1: i said i don't know if i can talk for five minutes on this stuff but
0: you sure well i i can <laughs> talk <laughs> yeah an our Holy oh, minutes yeah yeah good job all right Salmo, hope you enjoyed it um <laughs> Podcastsalmo at gmail.com. Someone, someone email me. I haven't got one email yet. Anyways, until <laughs> uh, next, next time, um, bye bye.